All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves, episode 496, Tim, I think. Inching closer to 500. Very exciting. Half half of a thousand. Pretty cool. Thank you for joining us. Tim's in New York City, Times Square, the Big Apple, enjoying his city life. Tim, have you explored Times Square yet? And have you got out and taken it all in? Not yet. We've been at this conference center all day, yesterday, all day, today so far, but we will tonight and tomorrow, so we'll have time to get out and check it out. It's a cool place. What is what is your top of the list thing you want to do in New York City? I mean, I've been here many times. So I, oh, I've done all of it. course. Okay, never mind. Sorry, so sorry. You've yeah. you've done it all. Never mind. I, okay. I mean, you asked. I I um. We won't have that much time. I have a cousin in New York. I'll probably see tomorrow night, and then I leave Saturday morning. So it's really it's it's not a very uh, eventful trip for sightseeing. Where are you getting dinner? Are you just going to room service it? Does your company give you a spread? Are you going to go out and enjoy New York City? Get some pizza. Walk around. All the um, the dinners part of like the conferences. We're taking clients out and doing all the schmoozing and all that. But tomorrow night, Friday night, I will be free after like seven. So if you've got a good recommendation around this block, let me know. My spots are probably a little too... I end for you. We'd go to the meatpacking district. That's where we would go. And we'd really throw down in that area. That was fun. They have a great bar. Gosh, I can't remember what it was called. It has a huge beer garden. And it was fantastic. I would spend a lot of time there. Was that by the water? It might be. Yeah. I might know what you're talking about. It was very, very fun. A lot of... uh, a lot of fun to go there. So check it out. I bet you the weather's fantastic. So just get out and have some fun. Have some fun. Like you're the Calgary Flames. They finally win a game that they should win last night. Three to one over the San Jose Sharks. Lo and behold, who cares? They're out of the playoffs. Why are we even talking about them? Let's move on. Everybody's clinched. There are no, nobody's getting in. Nobody's getting bounced out. The field is set. We have the 16 teams. The final domino fell last night with the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs. The New York Islanders won their final game versus the Montreal Canadiens. So that's it, Tim. We have our field. What do you you think of it? Buffalo didn't make it in. Pittsburgh didn't make it in. The two teams that I wanted to get in didn't get in. In the West, Winnipeg gets in, obviously, because Calgary 
well-documented. They're not in. Nashville didn't make it in. It's Winnipeg and Seattle with the two wild-card spots. Do you like the final 16, Tim? Do you? Is there buyer's remorse? Do you wish you would have, you know, I wish Pittsburgh would have gotten in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I wish Pittsburgh would have gotten in. I wish the Buffalo Sabres had gotten in. And what you saw in the East, we haven't been as critical of Peng- as the Penguins as we maybe should have been, like we were in Calgary, because it was in their hands. They had the control. They had to beat the teams. They, in, with the season on the line, you can't beat the Blackhawks. Like the Canucks thing, like the Blackhawks, they're trying to lose. They want Connor Bedard, and you lose to them. And with that, you lose your playoff berth. It's people, I mean, well, I know you want to talk about like the end of an era, the 16 seasons. Is that right? The Penguins yeah, have been in the playoffs. They they had the longest tenured playoff appearance record of any North American sports teams since 2006. Pretty impressive run. And largely with the same group of guys, cast and characters. It's Crosby, it's Malkin, it's Latang, and Flurry for a large part of that. But those three guys have been there the whole time. So I want to get to this in a second, but the end of an era, you know, and, and it's kind of a turning of a page for all these teams because kind of overshadowed by this Pittsburgh Penguin record is the Washington Capitals. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. So these two teams, which were stalwarts in the Eastern Conference, they were the guys you set your watch to every single year. It's like, okay, who's going who's gonna to be there at the end? It was Pittsburgh and Washington. Lo and behold, Washington is almost dead last in the Eastern Conference. There's only three teams that are below them right now in the standings, Columbus, Montreal, and Philadelphia. Then it's Washington. Pittsburgh couldn't figure it out at the end of the season. Now they're out. So it's kind of like a a changing of the guard in the Eastern Conference. And Tampa Bay, not looking so great. They've lost their last four, three, and seven in their last ten. They're limping into the playoffs Maybe they're not the same team that we thought they were over the last three, four years, five years, even when they were just handling all these teams in the East. And it just got me thinking, who's the new regime in the Eastern Conference? Who can you just kind of lock in like the Pittsburgh Penguins with Sidney Crosby and say, you know what? Ten years, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a Stanley Cup run. This is that team because it's up for grabs. Pittsburgh's done and they're done for a long time. Washington's done. A long time. Tampa Bay, maybe they still have one more kick in the can this year, next year, kind of go for it. But they're on the wrong side of things, you guys. So which teams, Tim, do you think can have this sustained success? Is it the Boston Bruins? I don't think so. I think Patrice Bergeron isn't getting any younger. Same with Marshawn. Pasternak will be there for a while. But I I think this is a a one-off for them as far as this historic success they've had they just set the record for most wins in a season of all teams over 100 plus years of the nhl with 64 it's incredible what they're doing they're going to finish it off with a win to get to 65 that's insane an 82 game schedule to win 65 games all that aside tim going back to my original question of the teams in the east who do you think has the best opportunity and it can be more than one who do you think is going to be there in five years you know, and they're in the playoffs now today. So of the playoffs teams, who is the best chance of kind of building? And dynasty is such a, a strong word because these teams, a dynasty entails winning multiple, multiple Stanley Cups, you know, contending every single year for a Stanley Cup. But let's do it. Which one of these teams has a making of a dynasty? 
The first team that I thought of when you said that, and I'm surprising myself a little bit because I did not, I don't think most people expected they would be this good before the season started. The New Jersey Devils. Yeah. They're, they're so young. They're so good. Luke Hughes is up now from Michigan. He's made his NHL debut the other night. They're set up for success for a long time, a long, long time. And I feel like, I mean, Carolina has been there for a few years. New York's been there for a few years. Their core is not as young. And I expect they'll, they'll make the playoffs the next several years too. But something about New Jersey is just very, very exciting. The fact that they're, they're really only getting started and they have a much younger core than those other two teams. It's really, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think when you look at their lineup, their top guys haven't even hit their prime yet. You know, you got a Jack Hughes, Nico Hirshire, you got the Jesper Bratz, and then you inject the young kid, Luke Hughes, who everybody says, Tim, is better than his brother, Quinn. He is a fantastic puck mover. He's this fleet footed guy and he's bigger. He's six foot two. He's going to be 200 pounds when his body fills out. He's going to be one of those defensemen that you just can boom. I talk about all the time, 25 minutes, first power play unit, put him out there to kill penalties. He's that guy. And he's 19 years old and you could just plug him into your lineup right now for the playoffs. What a luxury to have that. And he's going to be comfortable because he's got his brother on the team. So, you know, he's not going to have this growing pain. Say, am I uncomfortable? Can I really just go and be myself on this team? Your brother is the best player on the team. So it's, it's just a really unique situation they have there in New Jersey. So I, I fully agree with you at the devils. When I look at the Eastern conference, they're the team. They are what the Toronto Maple Leafs were four or five years ago, where you have this just amazing group of young talent. They're all excited to be there. The sky's the limit. But I think New Jersey has that opportunity to get over that hump. And the main reason for that is the back end. Toronto didn't have the defense that they do now when Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, all of these guys were starting out four years ago. New Jersey has that. They got Dougie Hamilton. They got John Marino. I just mentioned Luke Hughes is going to enter this conversation. Friend of the show, Ryan Graves is there. They have a very good core defense that is just there. And then you add on top of that, the young offensive juggernaut team that they put together. And they're just set up for success. And they have a good goaltender in Vitek Vanacek at a very reasonable contract, 3.4 for the next three years. So it. The sky's the limit for the New Jersey Devils right now. I, I truly believe that. But other than that, you put that aside. What other teams can we maybe say have a dynasty in the works? You got the Carolina Hurricanes. The one fault I see for the Hurricanes is not the players themselves. It's the management. They never seem to want to go out and mortgage their future. Make that big splash. Go for it. Yes, I know they offer, they, they offer sheet for Kaki and Emmy. That was a big thing. I, I, I'll give them that one, but why not go out and make a big splash this year? You, you lose Max Pacioretty, you get his $7.7 million off the books. You know, Andre, Andre Shvechnikov's not coming back. You have a ton of money to work with and you don't, you don't take advantage of it and you just stand pat. And why? I don't understand. Now you're left with the depleted forward group. You have these young forwards on your team, the Ajos, the Teravines, the Kakinemis, the Polviaris, the Fast. Why not go out? Or sorry, Jarvis, not Fast. Why not go out and maximize this opportunity right now? Because it's not going to get any easier. So that that's what I think is holding the Carolina Hurricanes back, whereas the New Jersey Devils, they're swinging for the fences already. 
They're going out. They're making moves. They're bringing in the big name free agents and Timo Meyer. They're getting a Dougie Hamilton. They're signing their guys. That's why I think the New Jersey Devils are the team to beat this year and moving forward in the Eastern Conference. I think the Bruins are older. They're going to die off. The Rangers, yeah. you can never really trust them. Even though they have the pieces, they have the good young defenseman. They have the star goaltender. You're in Times Square right now. You're feeling the vibe for the New York Rangers. They got Panarin. They got Zabinajad. I just can never trust them. So I agree. It's the New Jersey Devils in the Eastern Conference for me. They are the top of this old garden. If I were to pick another team, it's going to be a team that's out of the playoffs, Tim. It's the Buffalo Sabres. In my eyes, in three years, they will be right beside the New Jersey Devils fighting for the top of the Eastern Conference. Those are my two teams. Well, I hope they are. I, I do think you're sleeping on the fact that the Bruins are a much better team than they were a year ago in terms of setting up for future success. Everything hinged on Bergeron, Marshawn, Krejci, and all of a sudden you lock up Pasternak, you bring in Hampus Lindholm, Taylor Hall is locked up, Charlie Coyle is locked up, Jake DeBrusco is a multi-year contract, Pavel Zaka, Allmark, they're all there. So I think, I mean, obviously, I think this is probably the high watermark for this team. How could it not be? They set a record, but I think they'll be competitive. Uh, for many more years, as will Toronto. They're, they're too good not to be. The big question mark for them is is Austin Matthews. Obviously, his contract ends at the end of next summer. But I think um, I think it'll look largely the same, uh, except for obviously the team that just fell off in Buffalo. I think will make that major step forward. I hope they do. <clears throat> but I and don't I'm think not, it'll be that different, though. I I don't want to dump on you just because it's Boston, and I and I know you get irked by it. I think the Bruins will have a dramatic, dramatic drop. And, well, and it's going to happen sooner than later. You look dramatic Marshawn, drop could still be 50 wins. No, and, then, I, and that's dramatic. I, I, firmly, I firmly think that they could go from being the best team in NHL history this year to two years from now completely missing the playoffs. Marshawn's 34. He's going to age quickly. I know he's playing great now. Bergeron has hinted at retirement for a couple of years now. He's 37. He could potentially retire at the end of this year. You got David Krejci. He's dealing with some injuries right now. Is he going to come back? All of these guys are on the wrong side of 30. Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Bergeron, Marshawn, all of these guys. When you look on their back end, Linus Olmark, is this really the goalie that you have, or is this an aberration of a season? I know he's good. But is he this good? So I just feel like, okay, we hit lightning in a bottle right here. This is great. This is fun. But it could go south in a hurry. They have a good back end. I'll give you that with Lindholm, McAvoy, Carlo, Grizzly. I love their back end. And they can rebuild. But I I just, I'm not buying in that they're going to be there because the age factor tip. It's the age and it's the contracts. Pasternak's deal kicks in next year, 11.25. That's going to be a big toll on them. They got a lot of UFAs that they got to bring back. And if they don't bring them back, who are you going to resign? Tyler Batuzzi is going to want a big contract. Thomas Nozick's going to want an upgrade. Garden Hathaway is going to want an upgrade. Trent Frederick's going to want some more money. These guys are going to want to make more money. And is it there? I don't know. But I don't buy them being a five year down the road dynasty. I give them two, three years, and then I don't know where they're going to be at. But the Bruins will they'll retool. They have a good management. They have everything, you know, kind of figured out. Unlike the Carolina Hurricanes, who are afraid to go all in, the Bruins seem to be able to figure it out. But I just, I, I, I'm not sold. And I know it irks you. Your skin's crawling, and you want to jump through the screen and strangle me. Well, let's let's just give them this year. That's one year at a time. That's what that's what we're focused on. But I keep forgetting, like Tyler Bertuzzi is so good. 
He's so good. He's not locked up yet. His contract's expiring, but everyone wants him to stay. Pavel Zaka's been so good. So I don't know. I think they're going to be good for a while. Obviously, they'll never be this stays, good. though, because right now he's making 2.375. Very, very, very underpaid. He's a huge body. Six foot two, 200 pounds. He plays like he's six four, 300 pounds. The guy just throws his body in anywhere, everywhere. He's got 15 points in 20 games for the Boston Bruins. He's fit in seamlessly. The guy's a point per game when he's on his game. He brings that edge. He's a Matthew Kachuk, a poor man's Matthew Kachuk. He, he, what do you think he brings next year? He's a UFA, Tim. Do you think the Bruins can honestly afford this guy? I mean, I, I can't do the math in front of me. He's going to want at least five, I would think, probably six. And so that's probably a good number for him. Charlie Coyle makes 5.25. Maybe that's a good range for him, but... I don't know. I'll let leave that to Don in the off season. Right now, we're focused on uh, one thing. You know, uh, you, you're just a PR guy. You're a Patrice Bergeron parrot. I love it. All right, let's move to the West. Everybody was all excited. The Calgary Flames, the Nashville Predators is going to be exciting. You know, run to the the final game, and it just bleh, like a lead balloon. It wasn't even excited. The Winnipeg Jets they took care of their business. You got to give them that much. They went out there. They won the games they were supposed to win. They've locked up the final playoff position. The Seattle Kraken, very exciting for them. Their second year in existence, they make the playoffs after just an atrocious first year, Tim. Didn't you mention a few shows ago that they had the biggest jump from points from their first year to the second year of an expansion team? That's very exciting. I did. And I also saw on uh, social media this morning that Hoover Doge dropped from 115 to wherever he ended up, like 65 or whatever, is the biggest drop off ever in the league history for a healthy player. To, to drop that much in one season has never happened before. Just, uh, we, it's, just food for thought. We can't keep talking about the Calgary Flames, but imagine, okay, your season's done. They just finished up. 82 games, missed the playoffs, subpar play from Jacob Markstrom. He's locked in for three more years. Jonathan Huberto, your prize acquisition offseason. He was the guy. Matthew Kachuk didn't want to be there. Everybody thought Brad Travealing was a genius to be able to pry Huberto away with some draft picks. He had that huge of a drop, and he's doubling his salary next year. The guy's going to make 10.5 next year for the next seven years. And he's coming off his worst season ever, where he just had the biggest point differential from one season to the next in NHL history. What do you think? <laughs> it's got to be so frustrating if you're the GM. It's like, Everybody was lauding you for having the best offseason. You, you made chicken salad out of chicken poo. And then you have this season and it's just like, oh, my gosh, what else do I have to do? How frustrating is it? What do you do if you're the if you're the Calgary Flames? How do you come back for this? Do you just try to roll it back, Tim, and hope for the best? Because in large part, you're bringing back most of this team. You're losing Milan Lucic. You're losing Nick Ritchie. But other than that. Dubé is back to Foley, Lindholm, Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane, Huberto, Kadri. All your defensemen is back except for Troy Stetcher. And if I'm them, I want to bring back Troy Stetcher. I think he's really good. But can you afford him? You already got Hannafin, Anderson, Tanev, Zadorov, Uyghur. All these guys are locked in making some big do-re-mi. So if you're the GM, step one, you fire Daryl Sutter. That that's goes without saying. He has to go. They have to get a fresh face in there, a fresh voice in that locker room. But what else can you do? Do you just kind of press reset and hope for the best next year? 
Yeah, you have to bring back. This is the team. Like as you said many times with other groups, like this is the this is the group. You're stuck with them. You do have Lucic's contract coming off the books. You have Nick Ritchie's contract coming off the books. So that'll open up a good seven, eight million dollars. So you got a little bit of money to play with, but you also have some major like Huberto's contract will take up a good chunk of that, his new one. So yeah, you're not it's not opening up anything because Uyghur's making three more million dollars. Huberto's making five more million dollars. So that's that money right there. You don't have any money to spend. Like it's, they're literally up against the cap next year and they haven't even done anything. And you have to sign some tertiary guy. Do you, do you see them making any moves, Tim? Would they be bold enough to move on a guy like Mangiapani or just give up on a Kadri or Huberto if they can get out from under those contracts, much like a JT Miller deal with Vancouver where they're already discussing trade to him and he hasn't even started his new contract? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you hear his name being floated around during the summer at the draft and whatever, but who's going to take 10.5 for eight years? I mean, as good as Huberdeau is, well, that's the question. How good is he? He's been very good in this league, but how much of that was the system and Barkov and everything else? And can he be that guy? He's never been a finisher, but it's never been a problem. You can still put up 100 plus points, not having to be the a goal scorer, but when you don't have the talent around him, you get exposed a little bit. So I don't know. He's still a very good player, but not the contract that someone's going to take. No, he's a point per game guy. And and you put him alongside a guy who's a finisher, like you said, but again, he's turning 30. He's on the wrong downslope of his career. He's coming off the worst statistical season he's had since arguably his fourth year in the league. So he's been playing very, very good up until last year. I don't know if I'm this team, I'm mortgaging my defense a little bit and pack packaging in a forward to try to revamp my team a little bit. That's, that's the only way I see them getting out from what, what is a failure the last two or three seasons, even when they had Gaudreau and Kachuk, like the, it wasn't a success. It's not like we're comparing them to teams that won multiple Stanley Cups or made deep playoff runs. Like they were failures as well. There was a reason that they got moved on from those guys. It's because they weren't living up to expectations. So I think the only way to turn this around, you have a glut of defensemen and you try to move one of them and you package them up with a Kadri or a Huberto or even a Lindholm or a Coleman and you, you try to change it just a little bit. You're not going to go out and completely change this franchise. You can't. There's too many guys that are signed. But, you know, maybe Zadorov, his value is sky high right now. I, I think he had a fantastic season. You saw his offensive output. He's a six foot five, six foot six, massive man who is not a liability on the back end and who can put some points on the board. The guy has got a can for a shot. Why not trade him? Why not try to package him with somebody and, you know, just. Change it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know why we're talking about it. We're spending a lot of time on them. We're focusing on the West. We're focusing on the East. If the playoffs started today, Tim, in the West, and I know they don't, there's still some positioning to shake out. Which team is the most dangerous? Because I know the East is the, the juggernaut like we had talked about. But don't look now. There is some very good hockey being played in the West. The Dallas Stars have figured out their little slump that they were in last month. They've won five in a row, eight and two in their last 10. Colorado's only one loss in their last 10. The Edmonton Oilers are on fire. They haven't lost a game in a month and a half. Seattle's on a winning streak. Winnipeg's playing really good hockey. Who is the team now in the West? Is it still Colorado for you? 
Well, it's no, it's been Dallas the whole season. I, I just said I was only talking about Colorado because you didn't think they were going to oh. be there. Tim, um, you're always, lying to all our listeners. John, I've Ugh, always said Dallas. I only said Colorado because you were underestimating them. But oh, to answer your question, the team right now that I'm probably most, I think is the most dangerous is Edmonton. And in fact, the um, statistically, they have the highest chance out of anyone. 13.7, I want to say, percent chance of winning the cup, even higher than Boston, mostly because of the, the conference they play and they have an easier road to the Stanley Cup finals. So, they they're really good. I've, I've, who I've makes that these... stats? Sorry, I'm gonna. I want to. Who makes these numbers? Is this an they, Edmonton company that's coming up with these numbers? That seems strange that they have the highest percentage to make the playoffs or to win the Stanley Cup. Excuse me. It's money. They're puck, second. They're second in their division. Moneypuck.com. The... Um, and it's it's got like it's like a concentric circles percentage to make the playoffs, make second round, third round, finals, win the cup, etc. Yeah, thirteen point seven. Bruins are second at twelve point eight, and Colorado's third at eleven point six. And they're analytical, statistical model. So who makes they, you? I don't. That's that, that's the and the wrong side of analytics. It doesn't make sense to me. They're second in their division. Yeah, but do you, the stats of how good they've been over the last month since the trade deadline, six weeks or whatever, it's been insane. Like they're outscoring their opponents by like bunches and. Like all these players are just crazy, crazy hot right now. Their goalie's playing really well. They've just been the best, maybe the best team in the last six weeks. They have the best offense I've seen. The the acquisitions they've made have really balanced out their team. They Tim, they're they're 20 goals past the next closest team, the Bruins, who are just so good at offense. And then after that, it's the Seattle Kraken, and that's another 20 goals past them. So they they have a very potent offense. I'll give you that. But I, are they, they haven't trailed like in right over 350 minutes. They have not been behind in a game. Like Ekholm is plus 25 in 19 games, which would be plus 108 in a full season. Like it's just crazy how good they've been. So that would be the team that's probably getting hot right at the right time. Yeah, but Tim, again, it's the Western Conference. The last month, all they've played are Western Conference team. They they haven't ventured east in a long time. So when you look at their last couple of games, yes, they had a very tight game versus the avalanche. They won an overtime friend of the show. Quinn Rafter, he was there. Fantastic. Sent us some pictures. Looked really fun. I, I That's two shows in a row. I brought his name up. But when you look at before that game, they beat the Sharks six to one. Who cares? They beat the Ducks three to one. Who cares? They beat the Kings three to one. That's, that's a very noticeable win. Cause they're going to meet them in the first round. But then they get Anaheim, 6-0. They get the LA Kings again. They have their number. They get Vegas Golden Knights. They get the Arizona Coyotes. They get the Edmonton or Vegas Golden Knights again. They lose that game. Arizona, San Jose, Seattle, Dallas. Where are the Eastern Conference teams, Tim? They get Ottawa. And then the first team of note, March 11th, Toronto Maple Leafs, they get waxed 7-4. So there are, you can look at the numbers. It's great. That's why analytics, I don't trust them because it's like, oh, they're winning so much. They're they're scoring so many goals. They're they're racking up goals versus Arizona, San Jose, and Anaheim. You know, and it's just like, great. You guys are scoring a lot. Don't get me wrong. I think Edmonton's fantastic. But to call them the best odds to win the Stanley Cup, that's where I I, I call a little BS on. I have some umbrage with that because I don't think that the playoffs started today, which it almost is. It's starting next week. They're my Stanley Cup favorite. 
How much like weight do you put behind teams that have an easier road to the finals versus teams that will just beat each other up, especially in the first round in the East with a Toronto, Tampa and whoever like Carolina and, and New York or New Jersey, New York, whoever ends up getting that matchup. Is that is is impactful or is that just not a big deal? Doesn't matter how you get there. No, it's a real thing. When I was with the New York Rangers, you're in the Big Apple right now. I'll speak to that. Um, we had to go through Ottawa and Washington to just battles. Ottawa had this feisty team with Alfredson and Chris Neal and Zach Smith, friend of the show. They were a pain in the butt to get by. Then after that seven-game series, we walk into Washington, which is just another epic battle. Ovechkin, Backstrom, all these guys, seven games. And it wears on you. Then we run into the New Jersey Devils, which we had handled them handily all season long. And mind you, I only got there the trade deadline, but we played them a few times and we were a far superior team. But we were so worn down by the time we got to New Jersey. We get to game six and we were just done. You could tell the guys were worn out. They had been put through the ringer for two straight game sevens. And it was a lot. And we lose game six in overtime. New Jersey goes on and just gets smoked by the LA Kings, whereas we would have had been a way better matchup versus the LA Kings. I think we would have won the cup. But those first two series took it out of us. So it is a real thing. When you look at how teams get to the Stanley Cup finals, if you can get an easy road and have a five-game series, a five-game series, and then you're in the Western Conference finals, and that's your first real challenge, it's such an advantage. Whereas, like you said, All these teams in the East, the Devils and the Rangers are going to beat each other up. The Leafs and the Lightning are going to beat each other up. The Islanders are not an easy out at all. Same with the Florida Panthers. So it it definitely is a factor when you can just have an easy first round game if you're the Dallas Stars. And not that Winnipeg's easy. I'd rather play Winnipeg than a New York Islanders. Wouldn't you say, Tim? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. And actually, I want to talk about the Islanders for a second, too, because they did clinch uh, last night. And now you're in a position where you've played, <clears throat> excuse me, 82 games, 93 points and Florida's right behind you. They have one game left and they have 92 points. So if they win or I think I don't know what the tiebreaker right now, if they <laughs> if they lose in overtime tonight, they'll have the exact same record. And then it goes to goals for, I think. But if Florida wins tonight, their game is against Carolina. And this is a big one for a few reasons, because obviously if they win, it depends on whether they play Boston or Carolina or New Jersey in the first round. Because because if Carolina wins, they stay at the top of the division and then they play the Islanders in the first round. If If the Islanders win then New Jersey jumps ahead of Carolina. So there's like all these weird things and, and Boston's watching closely too. And I think Boston probably wants, um, they'd rather play the Islanders. Oh, I think they'd rather play the Islanders. No kidding. Well, Florida's just gotten so hot at the right time too. And I don't you know. You told me last week that the Bruins don't want to play the Islanders. I know. I don't, I don't really want to play either of these teams. I was hoping to play Pittsburgh. So it's it's going to be so good either way. And the similar things are happening in the West. And it's fun that we're talking about the last night of the season. And these games still have implications. Even the teams that aren't in the playoffs are playing teams that are fighting for something. So it's it'll be really fun. It's funny that the only matchup that's been locked in is the tried, tested, and true Toronto and Tampa Bay. It's the only one. It's just like you can set your clock by it. All right, the season's starting. Okay, it's going to be Toronto and Tampa Bay. And then what else are we talking about? Okay, game 82. What is it? Okay, it's Toronto and Tampa Bay. Who else is playing who? It's just these two teams cannot get away from each other. The poor Toronto Maple Leafs cannot get away from this matchup. But I don't know. What are you going to say, Tim? 
Well, they just got to win their division. They haven't won it yet. Like, it's crazy. As good as they've been, in the, even in the regular season especially, it's always been Boston or Tampa, and the other one plays Toronto in the first round. Sometimes they're second, sometimes they're third, but it's always right there. And that that's kind of surprising. That's why I wonder, too, like, John, if they lose in the first round again, <laughs> what what do you do? Because it's not Dubas's fault. I think he's been a great GM, but you've got to you've got to change something. But we've been saying this is the third, fourth year in a row we've had this exact discussion. So I don't know. I don't know what you do. They they have a very good chance. Tanner Janot is out for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We mentioned it last uh, show. It's a big hit for them. But gosh, if they cannot get by this Tampa Bay team, who was playing bad hockey of late, they're not playing up to their potential. They've been just bad. Let's be honest about it. For all the playoff teams, this one is the weakest one limping into the playoffs. If they don't win this series, do you fire Sheldon Keefe? Do you get rid of Kyle Dubas? Do you just do a complete overhaul of this team? What it does, I think it more solidifies the fact that you're going to lose Austin Matthews. The more he loses in the first round, he's gone. You you have to have some kind of success with this guy to entice him to stay. And if he knows he's just going to have a great season, score a bunch of goals, be on a really fun team with a bunch of young guys, but then you hit the playoffs and you're, you're out after the first round and you just face criticism all off season. Why would you want to stay? So I, they need to win. The biggest reason is to entice these two guys to stay. Three, Willie Nylander's right there too. But boy, this is their best opportunity, Tim. Over the last three years, this is it. They have the best chance. They have the better team. They have great depth. It's the goaltenders. No, John, the goalie's good. This is the best I don't like Samson enough. I know you don't, but I do. I think it's the best goalie they've had since even, even peak Freddie Anderson. I think I would take Samsonov right now. Samsonov, I think you can pronounce it. But like, who? This is the best goalie they've had in years. Yeah. So I. I, I liked him. I liked him at the beginning of a season, and he proved me right. He had a fantastic year. He's top five he in all the key categories. So No, he did. I, I, like we said from before the season, it doesn't start until the playoffs. Their season doesn't start until game one. And we'll see what happens. Tampa's going to win game one. <laughs> it's just, it's going to happen. And then, like, it's going to hit the fan. Well, game one's in Toronto. So. Yeah, so is game two. My, I know how playoffs work. They will lose one of those games, and we're going to get Steve Dangle on the show, and it's going to be nice. <laughs> and I want to see his head explode because it's just, it it has to happen. It has to happen. All right, Sam, is there anything else you want to touch on this show before you hit the Big Apple and get some greasy pizza and hot dogs? Um, I'm not, Nothing in particular. Oh, 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 breaking news. Breaking news. A what? statement from Kyle Davidson, GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. Tonight is officially Jonathan Taze's last game as a Blackhawk. They released a statement. Wow. You say, you, you've known this for a while, but now it's official. Everybody knew it. Taser said it last week. Like it's, it's still official now. Um, yeah, I've had a number of conversations with Jonathan throughout the season, et cetera, et cetera. We won't be re-signing him. It'll be his fa- final game. He's done so much for the organization. Etc. So, Who cares? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he could retire. I don't know if he's. I don't know. He's, he's not going to retire. There's a reason he said last game with the Chicago Blackhawks. Taser will play next year. The odds are not are eighty five percent. 
Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Breaking news. The Beatles broke up. Did you hear <laughs> we about landed that? on the moon? Yeah. Crazy. He just, yeah. He wants to say like, Oh, we, we, we made that decision. Davidson. It's like, no, you didn't. Taser so, made it a month ago. One other thing. And did you see that, that um, Dorian, the GM for senators wants to qualify to bring it, even if they don't have a long time, long-term deal. Okay. That's his intention. How exactly does that work again? Is that based on like a market cap? How does that work? It's based on your salary. You get a certain percentage of an increase and you hand that qualifying offer to the player. If he signs it, great. If he doesn't, so be it. You go to arbitration and then you work out a deal and it's a league mandated deal. Once you sign that deal, it's done and you're unrestricted free agent after that. So it's an interesting move. But once you offer him a qualifying offer, he's free to go and you know receive other offers. If another team gives him an offer, he can match it. If not, so be it. Then he's gone and you get compensation with draft picks. So, so the Sens are kind of in complete control in that? Yeah, but it also sets into motion um, him leaving. So they're going to offer him a cue, which which happens. It's it's not abnormal for that to happen, but it sets in motion other parts where he could potentially use this, sign a one-year qualifying offer, and then he's gone because he only has one more year until he's a UFA. So it, it's, it's rare because teams try to do a longer structured deal before they offer a qualifying offer. So interesting. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. He said that's his intention if they don't sign him to a long-term deal, which I'm sure is their preference, but... That'll be an interesting thing to watch as well. You don't I wouldn't so? want to sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, I feel like if you sign him to a long-term deal, it ruins what they have going in. I don't know. He's a good player. He really is. And he's young. I get it. So why not sign him to a long-term deal? But if you lock him in, he's going to want $8 million, right. right? Is he your guy that you're no. going to hit your card to? You got nope. Stutzel, who's fantastic. I love, I love Tim Stutzel. You got Brady Kachuk, who's fantastic. Is that is that your big three, Debrinket, Stutzel, Kachuk, Debrinket? I I just don't see yeah. it. I I it's, really, I don't. It's Batherson. It's, it's Norris, Pinto. It's yeah. You know, and I and I think you go out and you build around those guys, and you have tertiary parts, a couple three million dollar players, four million dollar players, and you use that nine million that you would sign for Debrinket to get a couple really good three or four million dollar type players. You know what I mean? So I, I think it would be a mistake if they sign him to a long term deal for a lot of money. I, I really do. So one more thing, uh, Vegas tweeted this out yesterday. Back on the ice for their optional skate, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, yeah. Shea Theodore. It's huge. Huge for them. Is that cap navigation right there? Circumnavigation, whatever the term is? Um, then, not that they weren't hurt, but, you know. I, I, th- I don't think so. Because he, he was really hurt. Second back surgery in, I think, a year and a half or two years. So the guy was legit injured. But, it uh, you know, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Probably a duck. He'll be, maybe he'll play game one. What a coincidence. Isn't that funny? Taylor Hall came back the other night, so they didn't they didn't do that. What you thought they would do. So. Well, who did they put on the IR? They put uh Felino and Forbert. Forbert. Yeah. Let me guess those guys will be back game one. Probably. Yeah. It's like, oh Taylor, you need to get some seasoning. Oh, these guys are hurt now. Oh, they'll be back game one. Right, who's hurt today? We'll pull a name yeah, out of the hat. <laughs> there's a very good chance that everybody will miraculously be healed. Game one. Forbert's back, Felino's back, Hall's got some games under his belt, and away we go, the Boston Bruins. All right. 
One last one before you go. If the playoffs start today, would say don't. They start next week. Who's you, who's you got in the Stanley Cup Finals, Tim? Um, let me. You tell me who you think I'm going to say because I think you always think I'm predictable. You're going to do the. You just said you're doing the Bruins and the Dallas Stars, or the Oilers. Yeah, I um, I think it's going to be Colorado. I go oh, back and forth. Oh my gosh! I know. I know. Should we rewind this? This, um, this you're such a liar. I think it's going to be Boston and Colorado. Ask you me tomorrow. Said I'm going to say something You just different. said Dallas. I know. This, the not team, 20 the, minutes ago. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with this game. I got to sit down and do like a full bracket. We should do that tomorrow or Monday and just like actually we'll, we'll make our first round predictions. And once the seeds are, are set, we'll do a bracket. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to everybody Monday because I'm guessing you work, right? I might have more time tomorrow, but yeah, there's, uh, it won't be set till next week anyway, over the weekend. I'm a slave to Tim. That's how the show has turned into. You see the Basically, difference though? I tell you where I'm going and where I'm going to be going and when I'm going to be gone and when I can record. I just, sh- John, you, you literally just John? told me an hour ago I can record today. Yeah. I told you what kind of notices that I had other set expectations, other things planned. I was going to get some guys from the nation network to join me for a show at, later I saved today you from that. You did the head of the nation network and one of their big guys were going to join me. You saved me from that, <laughs> but it was a great show. Thank you, Tim. Enjoy your time in New York and let's do that tomorrow. Cause we're going to have what games are tonight. We got Bruins, Montreal, Carolina, Florida. It's it's, there's a lot of big games tonight. We're also a lot of this, a lot of this stuff will get figured out and maybe tomorrow that would be fun. Let's talk about our predictions and let's do a little roadmap to the Stanley cup finals. I think that'd be great. And Tim can just have his head explode because he he's, he doesn't commit to anything. That's his biggest problem in life. That's why he's not married. That's why he's in this situation. You can't commit to anything, Tim. Do you want to hear a funny story? I do a funny dating story. Um, I do. Oh yeah. I have, I have one like good friend in Charlotte, one, my, my buddy Rob, we met last year and, and he's getting married next week. And like two weeks ago, he invited me to his wedding and he gave me a plus one. Like I was a last minute addition. Someone dropped out and it was very nice to give me a plus one. It's, and it's like an hour away at a really nice winery. And I'm like, okay, who am I going to take? Cause I like, I go out, but I don't, I haven't been seeing anyone consistently the last month or so. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I made my decision. I'm like, I'm going to try to get a date on hinge last minute and it, and I'm leaving for New York. And so like, I'm not even going to have time to do it. So on Monday I was messaged this girl and I was like, Hey, this is really re- weird. I know, but like, would you want to come out to a wedding on Sunday? And she goes, that is weird. Like, I don't know, but maybe like, this will be funny, but like, can we get together this week before just to like, make sure it's not you know, awkward at the wedding and make sure you're a real, real person and all that. And I was like, no, we can't because I'm going to be going <laughs> No, <laughs> so, get my car. We're driving for an hour. I know. I'm like, and then I was like, and she's like, is the wedding in the city? I'm like, no, it's an hour away. Like you should, I told her, I'm like, you should probably say no. Like I, I wouldn't go if I were you, but we got together real quick for like a 30 minute drink on Monday night before I left. Um, so she's going to come to the wedding on uh, no Sunday. No way. She's coming on Sunday. Yeah. We've been texting a little bit. I gave her, I sent her my Instagram. I sent her a link to the wedding, uh, the wedding website. I'm like, this is all real. Like I'll give you all you want references. Like I'll, I should give you your number. No, you, you convinced her so not to go. weird. I know, oh, man, it, but she's like, it'll be funny either way. And it'll be a good story and it'll be fun. Is she going to like TikTok it? 
I don't know, but she says she's gonna. Um, you can share your location. She's like, my friends will be tracking like where I'm, where I am for my safety, and I'm like, you should. I don't blame you, but that's crazy. It'll be fun. She's cute. She's cool. So, how old is she? Twenty nine. You got to be like a catch that age range because everybody wants to get married. They're like, oh, he's single. He's normal. He's good looking, and he's thirty. Jackpot. Don't dance. It's not everybody else has already taken. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because all my college friends are married with kids. They all have houses. My brother is having a baby. He's married and they're looking at a house today. But luckily, my two high school friends are knuckleheads. They're not doing anything. So I still get that going for me. You don't need kids or to be married to be happy. You really I'm happy right now, John. You are. Well, because you're talking to me. How can you yeah. not be happy when you're talking to me? It's phys- it's it's impossible. I make everybody happy on that note. You're nice. (laughs) Doggone it. People like you. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 